Well, hello. This is the voice you haven't heard in a while. <coughs> I've been, uh, I still sound like it, don't I? A little sick for about a month. And uh, right now I'm doing a project, uh, rebuilding the backyard where there were a bunch of ferns. And so I'm kind of staying busy. Um, but I really wanted to get back to this because I enjoy doing podcasts, and I hope a few of you at least enjoy listening to them. I was going to make this podcast number 13, well, 13, uh, an extension of the Newman family, but I've kind of had it with, had it with the Newman family, all seven or eight or nine of them, uh, and thought I'd go on to um, kind of a chronolo- chronology of, of the history of film music. Now, I can't do this on my own, so I got help from the net, and I found a couple short histories of film music from the silent era to uh, close to the present and uh, I'm going to um, each show each 30 minute segment I will read sections of that era and then play music with comments from that time sound like a good deal this will also alleviate me from posing as some sort of music historian which I certainly am not I have listened to music in film ever since I was a kid. I mean, when I was when I was a kid, maybe a teenager, I'd, I'd always look at movies, uh, the credits, say, who wrote the music, who wrote the music? But I'd watch the music, the director, the stars, and maybe later on when I developed a brain, uh, the writer, <laughs> the screenplay. But I always noticed the music. The music is by who? So uh, I have some knowledge of that just from my experience, but I am not a music, a film music historian. So, the big question. What in the devil am I playing Richard Wagner and the right of the Valkyries for? Are you enjoying it? I hope you're enjoying it. What does it have to do with movies? Well, quite a bit. It's been used, that theme has been used many, many times. Do you remember this? That was Robert Duvall from a really great movie, one of my favorites, uh, Apocalypse Now. And he's on the beach and they're napalming uh, a jungle ahead of them where they need to get into. And that movie had uh, featured the right of the Valkyries, if you remember it, uh, right when they're, they're swooping in with this, you know, this mass of helicopters uh, helicopter cavalry to uh, take over a village and they're playing this and uh, Robert Duvall makes a statement, a famous statement that it I think it was uh, it, it scares the hell out of the slopes <laughs> uh, I don't know how scary the right of the Valkyries is but uh, it's really great music it's been used many times and uh, why am I playing it well not only it was used in Apocalypse Now but in early silent days, the first score, musical score for a silent movie was uh, Birth of a Nation. And it's used toward the end when the, the Klansmen come in to rescue the, the white damsel in distress. And uh, they're riding their hoods and they're playing the right of the Volkers in the background. The point being that early on in the 20s and 30s, and even in the 40s, uh, classical music was often used as background uh, music for the film. And I'm going to drive this home with um, 
one more example. Do you remember? You don't remember. I'm old enough to remember. You're not. Um, there used to be a serial called Flash Gordon and also Buck Rogers, starring Larry Buster Crabb, who was an Olympic swimmer and made a career out of movies, uh, you know, being handsome and a great swimmer and Flash Gordon. Listen to this. And that was played uh, as Flash Gordon challenged Ming the Merciless and his beautiful daughter. I can't remember her name. I always thought his daughter was really cool, really sexy. But you know, Dale, the one that the uh, you know the, on the spaceship that kind of had a crush on him. Yeah, but Ming's daughter was wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was what would fall into the category of 19th century romantic music. So would Wagner. Um, and in the early days of film, they used, they didn't have any music. I mean, there's no resident composers. So they used this music, this classical music, to fill in for different spots. Okay, I'm going to read uh, a couple sections of uh, people who know what they're talking about. And then I'll play some selections from the period if I can find some. Before the invention of the talking picture, all movies were completely silent. That's not to say the theaters were silent. The theaters had sound, but not, of course, the movies themselves. The infusion of music into the film venue is speculated to have happened for many reasons. Music was already a commonplace element in the theaters, and it was brought over to films not only because of tradition, but to add a depth of the two-dimensional designed uh, dimensional image that appeared upon the screen. An added benefit was that it covered up the cacophony of noise that spewed from the projector. Uh, the majority of silent films were accompanied by anything from full orchestras to organs and pianists, depending on... Uh, I'm adding this in on what part of the country you lived in. If you're in New York or Los Angeles or someplace, they could afford a you know a full orchestra. If you're in uh, Sacatone, Arizona, at the local movie theater, you're lucky to have a piano player, but you, you probably had one. Anyway, uh, books of music were published to provide the accompanists with ideas for scene music categorized by mood, event, or element. Many of the films came with a suggestion list of what music to play in which scene. And as I said before, it was Birth of a Nation that was uh, for the first one to have a score compiled sp specifically for it. And uh, 
there was music, recorded music, that was played along with voice uh, on silent films, and it was a, a process, was, I think it was the, the middle, late 20s, the process was called Vitaphone, V-I-T-A-P-H-O-N-E, and on, uh, if you watch uh, some early movies, like in the early 30s, very early 30s, or 29, in the beginning they'll say something like, featuring or with the Vitaphone Orchestra, and what they what that was was a disc that was sent along with the film itself to be played and synchronized with the movie as it was shown to the public. And this is from a another uh, another source. During the silent era, films is film music is provided by each individual theater either by phonograph or is performed live by fresh and blood musicians. In the latter case, either a pianist improvises for the film or a small ensemble of musicians perform a classical piece in the background as the film plays. Again, as I said, that would be for a theater with some money who can hire this. Otherwise, they just have the, you know, the church organist come in and you know, put together something. Once the ability to synchronize music and sound to celluloid became possible in 1929, music quickly becomes became an integral part of the storytelling process, suddenly composers are commissioned by Hollywood to write new material, especially for the movies. A new profession is, is born. And this would start out pretty much with Alfred Newman. <laughs> there he is again. Uh, very early. He's the first, I think, the, yeah, he was the first major film composer in the early uh, 30s. And I, I played, I think, in a previous one of the one of the Alfred one of the Newman podcasts. I played uh, Street Scene, which was his first score. If you happen to watch uh, silent movies, I mean, beyond cha the the comedies, you, people think of Charlie Chaplin as silent. Man, it's this this a plethora, a virtual plethora of great silent movies. It had nothing to do with comedy. Get past Chaplin and Keaton and all that. Look for the serious stuff like Sunrise or um, good old Battleship Potemkin or The Big Parade and Intolerance. Uh, get past the comedies and, and get if you want if you want to learn about early movies, get past the comedies. Anyway, some of these movies had a score with them, but some didn't. And later, a score was added by composers and was tacked on to the film. And one one composer who specializes in this is named Robert Israel, and he uh, if you watch uh, some some movies like Tartuffe and uh, J'accuse that's I accuse uh, by Abel Gantz, and he did a lot of um, did a lot of background music for for Buster Keaton too, and uh, his music isn't monumentally classic like Alfred Newman or Bernard Herrmann or Dmitry Tiomkin. It's just really good and fits the film perfectly. So let's try to dig up something here that by him. This is uh, from the opening of uh, the movie I just mentioned, J'accuse. And uh, later in the, in the film, there's a large section depicting the horrors of war. This would be World War One, And it opens with this theme. It's it's called the Deus Irae. It's, it's, it's used in classical music dozens of times. And you probably recognize it, but it really fits. It really fits the opening of the movie. Then I'll play some stuff from later in the movie, following this. 
and that was the famous Dies Irae uh, from uh, the beginning of uh, J'accuse as presented by Robert Israel. I'm going to play, <laughs> this sounds more like a classical show than it does a, mu a movie show, and I promise I'll make it up to you next time in the 30s with, you know, Max Steiner and Alfred Newman and Korngold and those guys. But right now, I, there wasn't that much written for silent movies. It was written after silent movies was made and tacked onto the old silent movies. So that's why you're hearing a lot of classical stuff. This is uh, that same theme, Deus Irae, is used uh, by Hector Berlioz. And uh, his, if you're into classical music, you know, or at least have heard the Symphony Fantastique. Uh, Berlioz uh, went into an opium, op opium dream and uh, wrote sections of this piece, and it's de dedicated to a woman he loved, and it's in five sections, and the last section includes this. from the internet it's one of the most famous sequences of Gregorian chant that's uh, you see it in movies the, the monks in like a cathedral uh, kind of in, in chorus chanting syllables and um, that's Gregorian chant Western Gregorian chant as opposed to a Byzantine chant on the east <laughs> who cares and uh, the words mean day of wrath and it describes the last judgment of souls before God where the saved will go to heaven and the unsaved will be cast into eternal flames of suffering. Ochi. So, it's been used uh, in many, many pieces, and uh, the Berlioz uh, Symphony Fantastique is probably the most famous one. And thus ends uh, our music appreciation class for this podcast, and we'll get into uh, some actual music for movies. Uh, in all my talking about people writing for uh, silent movie, silent movies after the fact, I forgot to mention that um, the guy who wrote or put together the music for Birth of a Nation, his name is Joseph Carl, I think it's Breel, B-R-E-I-L, and he, uh, he wrote a three-hour musical score, which used uh, popular tunes of the day, combined with some of his own original stuff, and a whole bunch of classical music, including, uh, as I started off the program with the uh, Rite of the Valkyries. Now, getting back to uh, Robert Israel, I wanted to throw in Berlioz there just to show you that themes are pretty common. That theme is pretty common, the Deus Irae, uh, all over the place in movies and classical music. The plot of the movie J'accuse is, uh, this is from the net. Again, I'm not making this up. <laughs> I use a lot of the net stuff because they know what they're talking about, right? Uh, 
J'accuse is a 1919 French silent film directed by Abel Gance, G-A-N-C-E. It juxtaposes a romantic drama with the background of the horrors of World War I and is sometimes described as a pacifist or anti-war film. Uh, it started in 1918 working on it, and some scenes were filmed on real battlefields. It's really, by the way, it's, it's an excellent movie, and then if you get a chance to later see two really long movies, one they're both about four hours long, uh, he did one called um, La Rue, The Circle, and later in the 1920s he did an epic, outrageously ambitious project about uh, bi biography of, of uh, Napoleon, and it's there's a four-hour version and a five-hour version. Believe it or not, I've watched both of them, and uh, they're excellent. Anyway, those are uh, those, those contain music by Carl Davis. I'll play some of that in a minute. Getting back to J'accuse, the film's powerful depiction of wartime suffering, and particularly its climactic sequence of the return of the dead. Make, uh, made it an international success and confirmed Gantz as one of the most important directors in Europe. And here's another section of J'accuse where Israel portrays a kind of the romantic feelings uh, before uh, the main character goes off to war. Later in the film, uh, Israel portrays the feelings and emotions of men in the trenches between battles. It's very abstract.
And here are the last sections. Uh, I put three sections together, fading out and fading in, toward the end of the movie, which I think are masterful.
Uh, Robert Israel is the premier practitioner of silent movie film music, and uh, he's been praised up and down around the world. That's his specialty. He does a lot of solo work and so forth. There's a quote about his music from a variety magazine I like to read. Music makes all the difference in a film like this. He's talking about LaRue. And it's easy to imagine how the experience might be rendered tedious if not for Israel's score. Israel delivers far more than background music. It's important to remember that silent films were never silent. Without a score of this caliber, contemporary audiences would find it virtually impossible to appreciate Abel Gans's achievement. And let's move on to another of my favorite uh, silent movie film composers who composed for silent movies after silent movies were made. His name is Carl Davis. It's Carl with a C. He's quite a bit older than Robert Israel. He's been around a long time. He's done a ton of um, uh, television work, uh, a lot of documentaries. Uh, here's a little background. Uh, he was born in 1936, American-born, who has made his home in, in the U, uh, UK, United Kingdom, since 1961. He's written music for more than 100 television programs, but again is best known for creating music to accompany silent films. I'm not that familiar with his television work, uh, most of it, because most of it was done in the UK for UK uh, productions, uh, but I do know Upstairs, Downstairs, he did the music for that. And so far as film music, I'm looking at the list here, I'm going to pick out a couple. Let's see, I, I, Monster, 1971, The French Lieutenant's Woman, The Great Gatsby from 2000, The Understudy, The Trial, 1993. A film made by Abel Gans in 1927, uh, was Napoleon. There are two versions of it, two uh, reconstructions. One was four hours long, made in the early 80s, uh, commissioned or, or sponsored by uh, Martin Scorsese. And the second one was later in, uh, I can't remember the year, it, it was in the early 2000s, but it was a five-hour version. I've seen both of them, as I said before. And his music for it was, was, was fabulous. Napoleon itself is a 1927 silent French film written, produced, and directed by Albo Gantz and tells the story of Napoleon's early years. In fact, the title of the movie on the screen is Napoleon as Seen by Albo Gantz. It's recognized as a, a masterwork of fluid camera production. And If you haven't seen it <laughs> and you have an afternoon or evening free, uh, pick up a copy of the newer version of Napoleon uh, you can get it on, um, where you can get it? Oh, Amazon will have it, yeah, Amazon will have it. It's, it's, it's fabulous. It's, it'll, it'll change your views of movie, of movie making and what you can do in a movie. Okay, uh, I've got some selections. I chose Napoleon and uh, mainly because Amazon Digital Music has the entire score for the movie. So I'm going to play parts of it. Not much to talk about, it's just Carl Davis at his best. So let's listen to some, some sections. I will not interrupt these, I will just do a fade out and fade in, okay?
Napoleon with music by Carl Davis. I saw a documentary on, uh, I've got the, the DVD set from Amazon. Carl Davis's assignment was to write a score for a movie that was five hours long. So I left out a lot of, a lot of parts of the uh, score, but he uses a lot of Beethoven in it, some classical themes and so forth as, as filler, and he manipulates them to fit the movie. But what a what an undertaking! Five a five hour movie you know movie score, and Beethoven's symphonies are like forty five minutes long, you know, and this guy has to write five hours of music. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm way over way over my time limit here at forty minutes. Uh, next time, uh, we're going to cover composers that you've probably heard of, and I know you'll recognize a lot of the music. Uh, stuff by Korngold, who wrote a lot of uh, Errol Flynn stuff. Max Steiner's early work. He wrote, uh, you know, 1939, the music for Gone to the Wind, but he did a lot of stuff before that. And a little more Alfred Newman, who started out in the early 30s. And I'll throw in a couple more, too. I'm not sure who it'll be right now. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the show, as usual. I'm glad to be back. And if you want to get in touch with me, uh, drop me an email at Carter. C-A-R-T-E-R, G. Carter, numeral 1, M-W-C, at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you, and I'll talk to you again in, let's make it a week. i got to finish my backyard, but I want to do this too. So, so thanks for listening. Bye-bye.